Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, today, Heidi, we're going to talk about permission to grieve. And um, we're going to talk with a special person who has some interesting ideas about grief loss and recovery. I have learned something about it myself today, Heidi, and I have made a life change, which uh, is kind of different for me. So today we're talking with Shelby Forsythia, whose mother died when she was only 21 years old and a college student. She is today a grief guide. And she is the author of Permission to Grieve and Your Grief Your Way. Welcome to the show, Shelby. Thank you so much both for having me here. It's great to have you on, Shelby. You said something that uh, in your book and in your teachings and in your work that I thought was really interesting as I was getting ready for your show. And it was, um, you need to grieve your own way, but also you don't have to wait for a year. I have given people that kind of advice for years. Oh, you ought to wait for a year before you make any changes. Well, mm -hmm. recently, uh, my husband passed away. And after 60 years of marriage, and I looked at and read some of your stuff. And I thought, you know what? I can risk making mistakes, which is the one thing, one of the other things you said. And I also don't have to wait for a year. Mm. So, yeah, it's big because I decided to sell some property I have and buy some other property and do it now. Mm -hmm. Take the risk. So thank you. Seize the moment, Gloria. Seize the moment. That's right. right. Yeah. It is interesting though, because we have heard forever that you have to wait when you're to do anything. And it's like, okay, um, I wonder where that came from. And, and I like this new different look on it. Well, and I, I think the reason that it exists is to, um, prevent perceived rashness or decisions right. made from an emotional place. But if you think yeah. about the decisions we make when we're not grieving, we still make decisions from an emotional place. Mm -hmm. When you think about who we vote for, uh, the schools we send our children to, other things like that, we are making decisions with information, but we're also making them uh, based on what fits with our values and our beliefs and the futures we want for our life. And I don't think waiting a year time doesn't necessarily help with that. And especially right now, um, as we're continuing to navigate COVID-19, sometimes we don't have the luxury of time either. Right. A decision must be made now. Well, and like you said, sometimes we do things impulsively, even when we haven't, we're not grieving. Mm -hmm. We also make impulsive decisions. Some are good, yeah. some are bad, some, you know, we learn from, et cetera. Yes. Yeah. The fact that you're grieving does not make you incapable of choice or taking next steps. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I was telling Heidi, one of the things that I thought was really interesting and kind of amusing is you're talking about all the stuff you did after your mother died. Talk about that, the <laughs> yoga, the, uh, everything. Oh, yes. Uh, it depends on where you'd like to start. Um, I, I often refer to as the years after my mom's death and continue to as an involuntary scavenger hunt. This <laughs> is a period of my life that I would have never agreed to. Um, mm -hmm. I would have never signed up for this had I known what was coming and all of the things that are helpful to me, 
I feel like I'm wandering through this forest, picking up rocks and leaves and sticks and being like, is this helpful? Is this helpful? Is this helpful? Um, it feels like I'm, I'm perpetually standing in this great dressing room of life, trying to see what fits and what, um, what resonates with me based on where I am now in my grief. So I've done everything from being certified as a grief recovery specialist to trying Reiki to putting on screamo music and slamming the floor. Um, I've done quite a few things. And then of course there is the, the work that has evolved into the work I do in the world today. So a lot of writing, a lot of speaking on grief and a lot of consuming resources like this one. So mm -hmm. open to hope other podcasts and tons and tons of books too, because when my mom first died, I believed that I was the only one in the world having this experience. And I think I knew logically that that wasn't true, but emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, mentally, I was like, no one else has lived through anything like this. And so gathering the evidence that there are those well, well, in, before was just like, Whoa. Shelby at school, when you were the, in the university, had any of your friends and close acquaintances had a mom die or not, or, or no? <sighs> no. I was going to say, so you, but it was, there was some reality, right? The people around you, you were young, hadn't had that kind of loss yet. It sounds like. Mm -hmm. yes. Well, one of the things you said, you even tried yoga <laughs> and that wasn't for you. Mm -hmm. I love that. Not really. <laughs> you know, we, we keep promoting yoga and yeah. it's not for everyone. So talk about that. Well, and I, um, I suppose I've tried yoga in, in environments that felt competitive or felt, um, okay, by the end of 30 minutes, we're going to get you into this pose with your legs over your head. I'm like, can we just, can we just do the kind of yoga where you turn your brain off and try and get in touch with your body again? And I just did an interview a few um, months ago on my podcast, coming back with a woman who said, yoga reminds me that I have feet because so many times we're like living up here in our brains yeah. and I'm like oh if I start to think of yoga like that as mm -hmm. remembering that I have a body and something exists below here that then that changes the point the purpose or the the expectation that I place upon the practice of yoga and I also just finished reading the body keeps the score which which mm -hmm. highly praises yoga so I'm willing to try it again well talk about fear because I know you said you were afraid when your mother died and I know there's so many people watching that have fear yes I think um so much fear for me came from even now I'm taking deep breaths um there, this, I can never come back from this was a story that I was telling myself. So the permanence of her death really set in and scared the crap out of me. And then also the paralysis or the, the over analysis that came from doing something for the first time. I felt this enormous pressure to be good at grief. Mm -hmm. And because I didn't know what that looked like or what that sounded like or what that even felt like to experience, I was convinced that every single thing that I was doing was wrong. And so I, on top of the fact that my mother had died, I was also like beating myself up or terrorizing myself because I felt I was not doing grief the right way. Um, and everything was, had this layer of fear in it, especially with uncertainty. I have, if this is my life, I have no idea what's next. I could not have accounted for this great and profound loss in my life. Mm -hmm. So what would you recommend to somebody, they're hearing this and they're saying yes, that's me. That's how I feel. How did you get out of it? What did you do with it? Yeah, um, this is something that unfortunately requires slow evidence. It's not like a quick, it's not like I suddenly changed my way of thinking and then I became okay. It was almost as if 
every day that I continued to survive the loss of my mother was proof that I could survive the loss of my mother. Mm, I like it's like that. I, I found out that I could do it because I was already doing it. Yeah. And uh, another thing that greatly helped was, again, seeking these resources where people came back to their lives again in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And that was evidence that like, oh, there really is no wrong way to grieve. Even putting grief off for a while is not in and of itself wrong. Mm-hmm. And so the freedom to take the dichotomy, the right, wrong, bad, good, black, white experience out of grief and just say, what if it was all part of the grief process was like, okay, I have room to breathe here again. It doesn't change what happened. It doesn't change the fact that I have no idea what's next. I have no idea what's about to happen in the future. But what it did do is in every day and in each moment, I felt like my rib cage had like 10% more volume added to it. I was like, oh, okay, I can breathe a little bit more. I can sleep a little bit better. And it kind of grew, not up and to the right, not directly progress like this, but kind of like we're kind of getting there. Ebbs and flows. Um, into something that felt familiar, manageable, predictable, even if I can put that word on top of it. So now, seven years later, I can predict my mom died the day after Christmas. I can predict that November to March, the hardest time of any year to me mm-hmm. will always be. Mm-hmm. And so like things like grief anniversaries or even triggers like Mother's Day, I can't really go out in public on Mother's Day because there's too many mothers and daughters together um, and they're all happy. <laughs> I'm like, this is too hard. Mm. Um, and so navigating around things like that has become far easier because it's been, I don't know, it's like we have to practice grief in order to right. to become acquainted with it. Well, well, I like when you said, okay, when people say, I can't do this, I can't go on. And, and like you said, they, they are doing it. They're doing it. They're doing it one hour at a time and one day at a time. Yes. And that was something I, I um, had to constantly reassure myself of. I'm like, how am I ever going to get out of this? How am I ever going to return to my life after loss? How am I ever going to to become a new person again? And and I'm, I tell my clients, especially people I work with, I'm like, you're already doing it. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it, I think that people need to have certainty in order to feel like they've stepped into their new self, their new life. They feel like they need to have answers they ha- or have it all figured out. And I'm like, even not figuring it out or not having the answers yet or not knowing what's next is part of figuring it out. Like you're already on the road there. It's it's impossible to to not be headed in the direction of your future. I love Simply the because you're alive. I love the fact that you say, take a risk, make a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I made a lot of mistakes in my grief. <laughs> Even if you want to label them as that, um, because it, going back to this, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm in the giant fitting room of life. I'm like, oh, I just put on a sweater that was a little too small <laughs> mm-hmm. or um, put on shoes that were totally not my style. And so there were things I tried, um, especially I, I don't know if you've ever gone down YouTube rabbit holes in your grief, but things like balance, like listening to the same tone or pitch over and over again mm-hmm. to try and like balance your chakras or things like that. And I just ended up feeling like I got yelled at by a, by one note for an hour. I was like, okay, this was not helpful to me. Yeah, I like how yes. you try on different things and some things might not work for you. And they didn't. I mean, even if research shows that things work, it doesn't mean it works for every single person. A sample is never, can never be the entire world. So like you said, yoga didn't work. Listening to tones wasn't helpful. Right. And, and I think, um, a really great thing that I started to tell myself is, oh, it's not because there's something wrong with you. It's mm-hmm. because this is not resonating with your grief. And when you find out what doesn't fit for you and your grief, it gets you mm-hmm. closer to figuring out 
what does. When you can rule yeah. things out, you can start to walk towards something that looks different. I love it. So making mistakes might be a part of the process of learning what works. Huh? I love it. Yeah. So uh, I know you talk about moving into spirituality. Can can you tell us about that? Oh, that's a that's a large umbrella <laughs> for me. Um, I I think my relationship with my mom and her death and my relationship with God and the death of my relationship with God as I knew him or as an energy both ended simultaneously. And so when my mom died, the belief that there is a good bad God, a God that rewards and a God that punishes also died because I knew my mom was a good person. So it's kind of like, why do bad things happen to good people? So I was like, okay, so that version of God must no longer be real. But within the first, I don't know, year and a half, two years of her death, I was just mad at God. Like I just did not want any kind of spiritual alignment or relationship at all. And I have a very dear uh, aunt, my mom's sister, who's intuitive. And she led me through this exercise once where I just got to rage at God and tell him everything that was wrong and how unfair it was to lose my mom in my early twenties. And we had so much that we didn't get to say. And she essentially died in the middle of a fight uh, between the two of us about my sexuality as a queer woman. And she was Christian and that didn't jive. And so we didn't get to finish that and all this stuff. And then my aunt invited me to sit in God's place and speak back to myself, which I had mm, never done before. I, I now know this is a common practice for therapists. Witnessing myself as a griever, yeah, was I wish you would just let me hold you. Mm. And the, I get chills saying it right now, but the relief that I felt of a God still exists and he wants to hold me in this experience as opposed mm -hmm. to tell me how to grieve, as opposed to tell me I'm wrong, as opposed to tell me why all the logical reasons he took my mother away. Um, it was a real reframing for me and and opened up all these questions of like, well, what if God grieved with us? And what if grief was a part of a spiritual experience and not a symptom that something is wrong or that you're not spiritual enough? I, I so have come to loathe the good vibes only people. <laughs> well, and I'm also they, hearing they that- So exclusive to grief. Yeah, I'm also hearing that if you have unfinished business, with somebody that has died, you can repair that. You can go and finish the business. That's what you did, right? You can have, you know, yes, conversation. Never looked like I ever expected it to. Yeah. Well, I, another thing I want to talk about because I love it. Heidi and I were talking about the fortune cookie. You know, when you read a fortune cookie, sometimes you finish it up with in bed. You know, uh, uh, you're gonna have. <laughs> experience in bed or whatever but you say end it with when grieving i love yes. that I like that talk about that yes it's one of my favorite exercises and it's yeah it's rooted in this joke of you open your fortune cookie and it says uh you will meet the love of your life in bed or you will have great success mm -hmm. in bed and you add on the funny joke but if we do it an ad while grieving or when grieving mm -hmm. it gives us permission to allow yeah. ourselves just a little bit more humanity and grace in the experience so i i did the laundry while grieving and so it adds mm -hmm. that weight a very real weight that you're living through and experiencing right now to a very normal or everyday experience and I'll apologize for the leaf blower outside, but at a time uh, in our lives when we so desperately want to be who we used to be and expect mm -hmm. ourselves to have the same energy, the same focus, the same health, the same ability, the same beliefs, adding this tiny, tiny phrase while grieving to the end of anything gives you so much more room to be like, oh, I'm doing everything I used to do with the added well, experience of grief. And so you can I look at yourself with more love. I think it also allows you to do things that are enjoyable without feeling as much guilt. I'm golfing while grieving. 
I'm playing tennis while grieving. I'm jogging while grieving. Because sometimes when we take care of ourselves, I'm walking through Central Park while grieving. We feel guilty. Like, oh, I shouldn't be doing anything enjoyable because I'm grieving. And I have never put those pieces together before. I love that because yes, you're right. There is this guilt for, for feeling yeah. joy or I met my child's graduation while grieving or mm -hmm. I'm getting a promotion at work while grieving and we feel so unworthy to have a good life yeah. when a very bad thing has happened. Um, and this while grieving just reminds us that yes, it's all part of it. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, tell us about what you're doing and how people can find you and how they can get your book and uh, all that. Yes, I'll make it very easy. Everything I do is at shelbyforsythia.com. Uh, right now in this moment, everything I do is always changing, um, but I'm hosting uh, free podcasts on grief and loss that you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. I have two books. Uh, the first is Permission to Grieve. The second is Your Grief, Your Way. They're both very different. So I'd say read the reviews before you decide which one you buy. Um, and then I also work with people in workshop settings and one-on-one. -on -one. If you'd like to explore specific topics like perfectionism in grief or anticipatory grief or guilt in grief, or if you'd like to dive even deeper and do some intense work wherever you are and whatever loss you're facing, death, divorce, diagnosis, and beyond. Ah, oh, well, thank you so much for being on our show today. I just, uh, as I said, you've inspired me and uh, changed my life a bit. Yes. Thank you so, so much for having me on. It's been such a joy. Thanks, Shelby. And thanks for giving people permission to grieve and permission to have joy while they're grieving. Yes. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on the show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean in ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.